Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. In a series called Why Mary, and you might go, well, why, why Mary? But I would say to you that Mary was not the only young virgin in Israel at the time when the angel appeared to her and I would doubt that she was even the only young virgin engaged to a descendant of King David. It's not like marriage was rare. No, I think that she was one who qualified herself because of certain characteristics that were in her life. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that we could ever be what she was, apart from the fact that every one of us can be chosen by God. Now, I believe that God calls many, but I believe that whilst many are called, few even are chosen. And I want to be one of those that God puts His hand on. I know that the fact that He did it years ago in my life, well, that would never be enough. I want to make sure that today and tomorrow and in the weeks that lie ahead in the 2021 that lies just around the corner, I want to make sure that if God's looking for someone that He wants to anoint and use, then I don't want Him walking past me. I want Him to say, there's the one. That's what I'm looking for. And I know that it'll have very little to do with your past or your past experience. I spoke on the first Sunday of this about Mary's courage. That'll be up on YouTube. You can go and listen to that again. Then that night I spoke on her availability because availability will always outrank. It will always trump ability. Last Sunday, of course, we had the great production, but this morning and tonight, I want to speak to you about number three and number four that I think are absolutely crucial for the person that says, God, I want your hand on my life. I have been immensely privileged that I have seen God move through my life and I know better than anyone that's certainly not because of some exemplary, holier-than-thou character. I believe it's things like I'm speaking to you about having courage. Courage is simply that quality that gets someone to step out of the crowd at a moment of need. It's not much more than that. It's not bravado in the sense of some great swelling sense of I can. It's the person who despite their sense of inadequacy says, God, but I'm available. When it comes to availability, simply saying yes, it's God's favourite word, I believe. And He wants to say yes to your yes. And so I want to follow that on today with a couple of verses that I think illustrate perhaps the greatest characteristic of this spectacular woman. Luke 1 verse 30 and 31 is the very first time that God interacts with Mary. Verse 30 says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, 
and shall call his name Jesus. Luke 2, the very next chapter, verse 6. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, capital S, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The first time is the conception. The next moment, she's there at the birth and we will all go, well, but of course, how could she not have been present at both of those? And if that was all we heard about Mary, that her courage and her availability got her to those two points, I would say to you that still she should be praised. Still she should be lauded for what she did. We know that she was a woman and never became more than that. But however, let's walk on and see something else because now the ministry of Jesus has taken off. And John 19 verse 25 says this, And there stood by the cross of Jesus, His mother, and His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. She's at the conception. She's obviously at the birth. But now at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, there stands again this woman. But it doesn't end there. We know that he rose from the dead. We know that he said to his disciples, now I want you to wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's read about that and see if we can find this remarkable woman even there. Acts 1 verse 13, And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. That's not Judas Iscariot, it's another one called the same name. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary and Joseph had more children. We see this woman at the conception, obviously, at the birth, very obviously. But such is her character that when it comes to the cross, there she stands. Only a small group. Now, the other disciples are scattered in fear. But now stands this woman, his mother, because she is not standing at the cross just as his mother, but one beholding the sacrifice of the Saviour of the world. How do I know that? It's because Mary never saw the death of her son. She saw the offering of the Saviour, and that's why she's in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. That's why when all of the others are waiting for the Holy Spirit, her that had had it conceived, the child conceived in her by the Spirit, still needed the Holy Spirit to come and fill her life. And so she's there on the day of Pentecost receiving the baptism with the Holy Spirit along with 119 other people. The only person there at the beginning and right through all of the journey is Mary. 
Now, now lots, lots of people are great at starting things. Lots of people are great at the beginning of a vision. But not as many are able to see it through. And I believe that one of the qualities that makes Mary stand out from the crowd and definitely will make you stand out of the crowd is the quality of steadfastness. Now, to be honest, it's not even a word that anyone uses anymore. We talk about loyalty, but even loyalty has become shifting sands in so many areas. It's now considered rare for a sports person to start at one club and move to another. We move so much as a community around the world that it's easy for our relationships to be a story of connect and then disconnect. So what is steadfastness? Well, simply steadfast means to be firmly fixed in place, to be immovable. Now think about it now. There is no doubt that the birth would have been fairly exciting. Shepherds turn up with stories of not one angel, but with their heavenly host filling the whole canopy of the heavens. I can only imagine what that would have sounded like. A heavenly host singing like only angels from heaven could sing. How exciting would that be? The visit of the wise men a little bit later telling their story of a star that was so intelligent it could stop over the very place where the child was. And then these fabulously wealthy people come in and open up. The Bible says not simply a small gift, but says they opened up treasures of gold and frankincense and myrrh. How amazing that would be. You'd wonder what was coming next, wouldn't you? Well, let me tell you what came next. What came next was about 10 years of nothing. We don't hear anything of Jesus again until he's 12. We know that he was two or under when the wise men visited. That's why Herod said, go and kill every child under the age of two. He worked out the bracket of time. And so he then said, oh, I don't know which one it is or where they are, I'll just get rid of the lot. And so it's 10 years at least later before we hear of him and then it's only a glimpse. He's up at the temple wowing everyone with his insight. And then you leave that and go, wow, this is going to be amazing, isn't it? But you know what comes after that? 18 years of nothing. Nothing at all until that great day at the River Jordan when all of a sudden Jesus out of nowhere appears, the 30-year-old, saying to his cousin, John the Baptist, baptise me. Think about it. My question for you today is not can you be steadfast for a moment, but can you be steadfast through the nothing's happening days? Can you be steadfast when your prayers don't look like they're even getting higher than the ceiling? Can you be steadfast in your vision and in your dream 
when nothing seems to be getting any better. There seems to be no shift. I'm not sure unless you let your imagination wander around the life of Jesus to see this boy go through 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and now he's a man. Well, in, in, the, in the Jewish culture, he was a man before that. But think about what it would be like to be his mum and every day going, like, hello? Shouldn't you be getting going? I know she was impatient. You know how I know? Because at the first wedding uh, miracle at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, it's Mary who pushes Jesus to do a miracle, even though he says, my time's not now. She goes, I'm your mum, go do it. She just turns and only a mum could do this. Only a mum could say to the servant, whatever he says, do it, and then just walk off. Huh? She does that. She's obviously going, when's all this going to take place? Can you be steadfast through the nothing's happening days? Are you with me this morning? Because I venture to say that for every one of us, there's always a bunch of not much is happening days. You've been praying for that loved one, that family member for so long to come to Christ. And it looks every year like they get worse. Huh? Can you be steadfast? God, you said a lamb for a house. Lord, you said that my children would grow up like olive plants around about my table. They would be bearers of the Holy Spirit to me. You said you'd bless me, not just to the next generation, but to the generation after that and the one after that. So Lord, here you are saying nothing's happening here. Can you be steadfast? But it gets worse than that. You knew I was going to say that. Mark 3 verse 30. They said about Jesus, he's got an unclean spirit. They said, you know, it's the devil working in this guy. Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. This is Mark 3, verse 32 now. And a multitude was sitting around about him. And they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Your mother, who was there at the conception. Your mother, who's there at the birth. Your mother, who's been steadfast all the way through. And she's come to visit you and your ministry to her. And instead of getting up and saying, sorry, guys, mum's here, I've got to go. Verse 33, but he answered them saying, who is my mother and my brothers? And he looked around about in a circle of those who sat about him. And he said to them, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Not about you, but as a parent, I'm thinking I'm probably a little bit, slightly, weensy, tiniest bit offended at this point. I turn up to visit you, you don't come. You leave me outside and then you diss me to the whole crowd by basically saying, hello, all of you are my brother and my sister and my, you're my family. Hello, none of them cooked your lunch. None of them helped dress you for synagogue every Sabbath. 
can you be steadfast through the nothing's happening days, but the next one is can you be steadfast through the difficult days? That's the days where you get offended because somebody overlooks you or leaves you out or because you give your best effort and it seems unappreciated. You know, I've discovered that most people don't wake up one day and lose their vision. I haven't met anybody who just gets up one day and says, nah, sorry, over the whole lot, I'm finished. Most people don't one day wake up and lose their vision or forsake their convictions. I've decided I'm not going to be moral anymore. I think I'll go to the dark side. Most people don't wake up one day losing their vision, forsaking their convictions or abandoning their beliefs. They drift there. The reality is that drift is the opposite of steadfastness. Now, I'm not just speaking here today about your walk with God. I want you to think about your family and the relationships that matter most to you. I want you to think about the commitments you've made to God and to others because I will guarantee you that you won't wake up one day and have a brain snap. People say that and I go, no, that's not true. They drifted there. I said this to a friend of mine the other week, it came out of my mouth without me having thought of it, really. But it was so profound, I actually wrote it down. Well, I thought it was profound because I didn't think it was my idea. Once you become familiar, it's easy to leave the sacred. In other words, once something just becomes, yeah, whatever, mm, so what? It's easy to leave it. We drift. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 says, So we must listen very carefully to the truth we've heard, or we might drift from it. Have you ever wondered how people walk away from their faith? Oh, I know sometimes people have encountered a problem, but most often they start drifting. Just maybe not so core. Psalm 141 verse 4 says this, Don't let me drift toward evil. Think about that. I meet people all the time who uh, their life starts showing behaviours and conduct that years before they would have said, I'd never do that, but they're there. Amen? And you all gone really quiet on me like, Jeff, you should be giving me a happy Christmas message. Like, hello, I didn't. Uh, I need someone to pump me up and make me feel better. Well, thanks, and I will anyway. <laughs> but I want to help you because in this time we're in right now, it's so easy to drift from the things that matter, to get your mind occupied and just to become tired. One of the things that prevent drift, oh, oh, let's finish that. Let me talk to you about how do you not drift? I've fished a lot, sat in a lot of boats. And while I was so busy fishing, didn't realise that the anchor had lost its hold. And when I looked up, I was a long, long way from where I started. 
I wanted to show you today the video, but for the sake of time, I thought I might. There was an episode of Mythbusters. You know that quasi-science program? I'm saying quasi because I know some of the real scientists here are going to go, that's not science. That's just pop stuff. But bear with me, man. I remember distinctly an episode they did where they were testing their hypothesis that people without vision always end up walking in circles. So they got these guys, and two of them were the two hosts, and they blindfolded them and said, you're going to walk in this level ground, and you're going to walk from here to over there. It was quite a large space. And they blindfolded them and then videoed each one of them. One of them, I remember, said, this is not going to happen to me. I have a tremendous sense of direction. My internal gyroscope, my internal compass is so good, it won't happen. And he was flabbergasted when they played the video back because he'd walked completely in a circle without even realising he'd gone in a circle. If you want to not drift, here's the first thing you've got to build strongly in your life is clear vision. Blindfold anybody. Go try it this afternoon. Go down to the local sporting oval. Blindfold yourself. Get someone up there with their smartphone filming you. Some of you are going to do this, I hope. Come back and show me. Why? Well, it's the Bible, isn't it? Proverbs 29 verse 18. Without a vision... It says people dwell carelessly. If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves. Another version says without a progressive vision, people dwell carelessly. One of the things that will keep your life on track is clear vision. But I about you, the windscreen of my car, even though I washed it, or Ron did, uh, a week ago, it doesn't stay clear. We've all sat at the traffic lights, haven't you? And the person in front of you decides that's the moment they're going to wash their windscreen. So then you've got to wash yours. 35 cars back, there's a guy, he's got no water in his windscreen washer. Huh? Listen. Just because it was clear back then doesn't mean it's clear now. Oh, you might be able to rhyme it off. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And tell me what it is. I'll never forget being in a phlebotomist studio once. For those of you who want to know what that is, that's uh, someone who takes your blood for a blood test. And I'm sitting there and up on the wall was this thing said, our mission statement. And I said to this lady, what's that? She said, no, that, that's some management put up. She said they come around every six months and say to make sure it's still up. And I quickly realised that their mission was very blurry to the people who mattered the most. Amen? It's not enough for you to come to this church and say, thank God Pastor Jeff's got a great vision. Amen. Oh, praise God. Win the lost and grow the saved. Go for it, Jeff. woo We're right behind you. Quite frankly, I don't need you right behind me or up in the stands. I can't need people right beside me. Amen. 
Come, Come on, on, I don't, I don't want, want to play a game of football or something or other else, else and all the people are cheering and all my teammates, where are they? Oh, they're up there cheering. Who am I going to kick the ball to? Yourself. Are you with me? Come on. Clear vision is a prerequisite to preventing drift. Here's the second one. is strong commitments. Don't make your commitments out of tissue paper. Now, I'm told... Uh, and. I'm not trying to have a go at anyone, but I think it's actually across the generations. But I was asking one of our young adults once about this, and they said, Jeff, you've got to understand that in young adult culture now, we make a commitment, but what it means is we're going to do it unless we get a better offer. But I've got to tell you, I've got a friend of mine who's way, way long past being a young adult. He's like a really, really old adult. And he'll say, hey, can we catch up? I go, sure. But then he gets a better offer and flicks me. Is that what your commitments look like? I'm really committed. Though none go with me, still I will fall. Well. Oh, though none go with me. Oh, that looks good. Does your Christian history look like someone who's going to war or do you look like a butterfly trying to find the next flower? Just saying. Amen? Don't all look at me so touched and helped. Here's number three, last one. Clear vision prevents drift. Strong commitments prevent drift. Third one's great friendships. Who are you walking with? Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, You use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. Have you got the kind of friends that would keep on saying, Oh, yes, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's not fair. Yeah. Have you got those kind of friends? Or have you got the kind of friends that are always provoking you to do better? Amen? I don't need the kind of friends that are going, Jeff, your life is so difficult. Yeah, it's really hard, isn't it, mate? Oh, yeah. No wonder you feel so low and flat. Oh, yeah. My life, how you do what you do. No, I don't know why I do this really bogan accent when I do that, but, but I just do. I've made sure I've got friends around about me that provoked me to do more. I love that verse in Proverbs 18, 17. You'll never hear anyone preach on this, I doubt. But it says, The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbour comes and examines him. Do you have anybody around about you that examines you and says, Mm-mm. You're going, Oh, you're supposed to make me feel better. No, they're not. They're sent by God to help you be better. Amen. Get clear vision here. Come on, are you with me here? I'm not preaching. Oh, this is not one of those nice little Christmas messages. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen when the snow lay round about thick and something and even. Brightly shone the moon that night though the frost was cruel. 
When the something came at something, gathering winter fuel. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun is to ride in one horse open sleigh. Hey. Come on. I don't know about you, I intend, I intend, with everything in me, I intend to finish 2020 well. Amen. I'm not going to finish it going, I can't see. The windscreen's all dirty. Amen. That's why God sent you here this morning to be a part of this, to say, come on, clean that thing up. Clean that thing up. Build strong commitments. Please, team, come. Build strong commitments in your life. And if you don't have great friends, start building them today. Listen, God has never parachuted good friends in. It's not the way it works. Don't wait, dog. God, I just need friends. You better start being friendly today. Amen? And don't look for the saddest looking person around the place so you can go up and compare yourself and feel better. I thought my life was bad. Look at that. Go to the happiest person around the place, the one who looks the strongest, and go up and let them make you feel just like, oh, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. I've got to change. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the examples you put in your word of this great woman, Mary. She said yes right at the very start. And then she said yes again. Then she said yes again. Then she said yes again. When she got to the cross, she said yes again. When she got to the day of Pentecost, she said yes again. Lord, I pray that amongst this great crowd of people, you'll find many people that'll simply say yes again. Yes to having clear vision, strong commitments, building great friendships that make us everything you have called us to be in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for people that are part of the service wherever they are. They've never started. They don't even know how to start. Would you help them today? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You know, I've had the sense all day today that there were people a part of the service. I don't know whether you're in the building or you're outside of it. But people that you already feel like God has made up His mind about you in a, quite a negative way that there's no way you can come close. But right throughout this service, the songs we've sung, the things that I've preached, I trust have underlined to you the fact that there is a God who wants to say welcome. I told you God's favourite word is yes. But it follows your yes. The Bible says every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. In other words, it says, when I say my yes, God goes yes right back. It's so easy to say yes to Jesus. I don't mean yes as though it's a light thing because it's certainly not. 
It's, it's a, a profound, profound thing and a deep thing and a wonderful thing. thing. You, you can, can say, say yes to Jesus. If you're in Australia, you simply can text YES to 488 If you're outside of Australia or you would like us to help you walk with God, you'd like to get it via email, then you simply go to yes.metrochurch.org.org.au All you've got to do is say yes. We will do the rest of that starting to help you. We'll send you every day. A different scripture and a different prayer every day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like. It's not pressure. It's about support and help. I know that many people don't know what to read in the Bible or they don't know how to pray. That's why we started this. And it's so great every morning. You'll get it there on the phone. You can start your day reading that going, wow, there it is. I pray you'll say yes to Christ. I really do. I believe that He loves you. I believe that He wants to say yes to you. Would you give Him your yes today? Do it right now, 488 Or yes.metrochurch.org.au. Amen. Now, Tessie.